Let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, and uh, verse 14 through 20. Jesus, afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. How about that? (laughs) Jesus wanted to get the unbelief and the hardness of heart out of the people that he was about to download so much goodness to. And it's amazing that that was present even in this transition. Same thing in Matthew chapter 28. There were people there that were hesitant. Thomas, uh, you know, you could read what he famously dealt with, you know. Yet I'm told in history that Thomas went to the northern part of India and had a huge impact on so many people. The scripture that so pierced my heart as a 16-year-old when somebody witnessed to me was, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that was actually the answer to the question Thomas had asked. You'll never hear me call him Doubting Thomas because I'm endeared to him. I appreciate that he bothered to ask the question. I appreciate that he was honest enough to say, man, I I don't get it. You know, I I need to, I won't believe it unless I see it and touch the nail-scarred hands and so forth. And then Jesus shows up and he falls down on his face and says, my Lord and my God, you know. And he says, you've seen me and you believe, but blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. And I heard a great man one time say in a meeting, God, could you have done it any other way than faith? And the, he, he said, the Lord said, well, no, that's what I wanted it to do. He said, okay. I might have been the only one that really understood the depth of what that guy was saying at that moment. It sounded cute to a lot of people, but to me, I feel like the guy was saying, couldn't you just physically manifest all the time? And then it would be easier on all of us. But that's not how God wants to do it. He wants the just to live by faith. Faith is betting our lives on unseen and yet real realities. We believe in a supernatural God, and we're willing to base our lives on it. And this apparently is what God is pleased with, is that we walk by faith and not by sight. Say it. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is not denial. This is not giving us a case of stupid. It's not dumbing things down. Because God is the most brilliant, most wonderful most focused uh, being that ever has been or ever will be. And we're to worship him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That includes our thinking. But think about it. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. Abraham, he, he called and he knew God would raise the dead and he called into being that which does not exist. So here he, he rebukes their hardness of heart and their unbelief because they had not believed those who had seen him after he was risen. And Mary and the uh, God assigned the first people to herald the resurrection were women who shared the gospel with these guys, and they didn't believe it. And he said to them, go into all the world. He said to these guys that he just rebuked for being in unbelief and having a hardness of heart. Okay, still anyway, with your, take your little mess and deal with it on the way, but go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go is an action word. It's not a yellow light or a red light. It's a green light. It means go forward. It means what it says, go. It means blast into a new level and not just into a limited place, but into all the world. And what are you to do? Proclaim and preach what? Pessimism, cynicism, narcissism, a bunch of philosophy, a bunch of cold, hard, 
crusty theology. No, your theology needs to be coming with life and spark and fire and gospel, meaning good news. Good news, Jesus died to save us. Good news, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Good news, he's coming back to a glorious church. It's good news, as opposed to bad news. And to all creation, all, God's interested in all of this stuff. And he wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Now, a lot of people in Christianity are believers, and a lot of them get water baptized, but yet there are lines that get drawn. And this is, let's read the complete context here. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Now, it doesn't say the people that walk just in Jesus' earthly ministry, nor does it say just for the apostles and then it will cease. It says these signs will follow those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. Uh, when he had spoken to them, he, received, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. That had to be a fantastic moment called the Ascension. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. The reason earlier I had our drummer Scott share the testimony was because somebody was out there in the marketplace and was a believer, had a perception about somebody on the soccer team and prompted the parents and advised the parents to take that child, their young lady, to the hospital, which they did, and the doctor said, had you come any later, your spleen would have exploded, you would have had a terrible situation, it would have been deadly. So that's a case in point from recent within the spectrum of our time frame. Okay, that's not um, a testimony from the book of Acts, it's a testimony from St. Louis County in 2021. Okay, so... This is powerful. The reason I'm preaching is because we, God's people, need to be trained. We need to be taught to believe the Bible. We must believe the Bible so we can get biblical results. The supernatural and the miraculous are thoroughly biblical. The supernatural, God is supernatural, and the miraculous, God is miraculous. This isn't just a philosophy. This isn't just Gnostic this is not just knowledge. This isn't just theory. This isn't myth. This, in fact, is truth. And Hosea 4.6 warns people that it states that my people perish for lack of knowledge. This is what Hosea prophesied about God's people. The Holy Spirit prompted the Hebrew prophet to warn the followers of God, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Conversely, though, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that word, word, is rhema, which is the spoken word. Jesus is the logos. He's the John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the amazing the phenomenon of the supernatural coming into the natural world. The creator comes into the creation and manifests himself on terms we can understand. 
He takes these huge, mysterious spiritual realities and brings them into the accessibility of us humans in our human condition. And he comes in to bring life. Jesus came to bring light and life. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to break the chains off of people's lives, take the blinders off of people's eyes. In the book of Acts, when Ananias laid his hands on Paul, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and scales fell from his eyes. How about that? And uh, so I, I feel this is such an important, such an important thing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, and, and that's the, that's, these are the sister verses to what I just read in Mark 16. Matthew's gospel words it a little differently. It says in uh, 16 through 20, it says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. <laughs> there it is again. We, you know, I'm preaching to produce faith. I'm preaching about miracles, so you'll uh, study this and have a conception of it. Recognize all through the Old Testament there were many miracles. Through the New Testament in Jesus' earthly ministry, there were amazing signs, wonders, and miracles to attest to who he was. Then there were attesting miracles to the apostles and the early church. And I want to say emphatically, my, my theology is that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Lord that never changes. The need for healing has never left, and our God has never changed. And he's the God of the supernatural, and he only does wondrous things. So, you know, if, if we're going to perish for lack of knowledge, or faith is going to come by hearing the word of God, which one you want? And right here, he sends these guys out, but some of them were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus comes and says, After I just died on the cross, I just got all authority in heaven and earth. He, took, he got the keys of hell and death. And he flips the keys, get this, he flips the keys to the church. And he gives them, he gives to Peter who just denied him three times. He gives them to these people that are doubtful. He, he reproached them, he rebuked them for it. So he's not gonna put up with it, yet his mercy was so consistent with who he is that he, he let them go out and get after it and sort this stuff out as they're going. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad there's hope for all of us? Can I hear an amen? amen? So he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I am now delegating that authority to you in my name. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look, teaching them to observe some of what I've commanded you. Teaching them to observe part of what I've commanded you. No, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many of you are glad Jesus is with you? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Who loves that verse? How about to the end of the age? You know, thank God. Whether you're a pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation believer, Jesus is going to be with you always to the end of the age. It got quiet in here. But in any case, because I know that, you know, I love the whole body of Christ. 
I love the liturgical folks. I love the denominational folks. I love the people that don't even agree with what I'm saying. Because I love the church so much. I love God's people. I love God's people. But I'm telling you, this is, this is what I feel compelled to teach so that uh, we can be taught to believe the Bible and understand and rightly divide the Word of God and get understanding concerning the nature of these things. Remember, Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth, he said, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. They went out and preached. They came back enthusiastically. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to, to us in your name. He said, don't, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Make that your central focus. Don't get all caught up in the outcomes. Get caught up in the primary objective for which I came. But yet, part of his primary objective was to equip not just a random 70 in, in Luke chapter 10, not just the 11 there at the end of things before he ascended, but for the whole body of Christ all the way to the end of the age, uh, he's called us to trust him, to believe God, and to engage accordingly. Listen to what it says here, John chapter 3. Let's go to John chapter 3, and we'll read verse 35. That's a famous chapter that, uh, you know, he told Nicodemus to be born again, and he, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Well, then in John chapter 3, verse 35, I'm just talking to you a little bit about the ministry, the doctrine of the laying on of hands for the miraculous. There are a lot of ways to receive a miracle. This is one of the biblical ways that God consistently manifested his power through the laying on of hands. John chapter 3, verse 35, it says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Well, here, verse 35, that's what I wanted to read. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his what? Hand. And he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. So where did the Father give things to, in Jesus' case, into his hand? And in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. One of the prayers I prayed often is Acts chapter 4, and I want you to go there and look at Acts chapter 4. Time would fail me if I tried to go down the list of all the things that happened through the Bible with the laying on of hands, but I'm just going to lay a little bit of a foundation tonight, uh, and I, I'm sensitive to my time, and I want to make sure you can absorb some of this just to get you encouraged about this subject, to see that whatever you put your hand to will prosper. That's a good one. Acts chapter 4 they're praying about the persecution that they're getting. And uh, Peter and John come back and they, verse 23, they went to their companions of their own company, reported what had happened, and they got in a prayer meeting. They lifted their voices in one accord. They began to worship and acknowledge God. You're the, you're the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So they did the correct Psalm 100, entering in with thanksgiving into their courts with praise before they started to articulate the need. They laid out what had happened with the death of Jesus at the hand of Pontius Pilate. And then he said in verse 28, they prayed that all the things that had been predestined, that God's hand had, whatever your hand and your purpose had predestined to occur, 
behold their threats. It's buried way down deep where they're now talking about the, the issues of the attack on these front and the persecution. And then it says in verse 30, he says, while you extend your hand to heal, while you, they're praying to the Father, would extend your hand to heal, and get this, and that signs and wonders would take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. These guys understood, not only were they called to communicate the message of Jesus and give that information out about repentance and surrender to Jesus, who he is, and to receive him, and the technical steps on what to do to be saved, baptizing people, 3,000 were baptized earlier under uh, Peter's message. But then they're saying, God, would you please stretch forth your hand to heal? So signs and wonders would take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Isn't that wonderful? They weren't timid. They became bold. But don't be confused with that with obnoxiousness. They weren't loud and brash. It was strong. I suppose maybe like what they said about Jesus, where he speaks with authority and not as the scribes. It wasn't mamby-pamby. It wasn't, it wasn't mealy-mouthed. It wasn't sort of a, a whisper or a hush. Nor was it yelling and overly browbeating. It was just strong. Hallelujah? Strong. Then if you read in chapter 5 and you go over... They, the great, they prayed this prayer, and then you go to chapter 5, verse 12, and it says, and at the hands of the apostles, now they said, stretch forth your hand to heal, but then it said, at the hands of the apostles, look at this, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. And uh, I, I think that's, I pray that God would stretch forth his hand to heal. That ought to be a repeated prayer in our prayer lexicon in life. We should continually ask and trust the Lord that his mighty, invisible yet powerful hand would be stretched forth toward the, our loved ones, toward the people we hear about, toward the, uh, the, the situations of our times, right? Because God has actually called us to minister the gospel, and that includes the manifestation of God's healing power, the deliverance from demonic oppression. We actually are called by God who has gifted us with spiritual authority and God wants us to utilize it. We're not to live below our station in life. And guess what? We have been raised up with Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ, far above the principalities and powers, and the devil does not want us to know this. He wants this downplayed. He wants this sifted out of the church. He does not want this emphasized. Because th this, then, his thing is over. I mean, he, then all of a sudden people are ignited, and it's the opposite of Hosea 4.6. Instead of perishing for lack of knowledge, we're thriving because of revelation knowledge of God's word. Remember that uh, when you believe... As the scripture says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now I'm preaching to equip you and to engage in this moment so that out there you can be expecting the Lord to nudge you in a direction of faith to cooperate with him and his promptings and pray big prayers and believe God for breakthrough for the suffering humanity that's around us to come against the crazy, convoluted social ills that are trying to bind the nations. 
Might as well. I'm not cynical about it. I realize it's going to all get weird, but let's believe God for the manifestation of his glory all the way to the end. Right? So I got this email Monday, and I'll leave it anonymous, but it says, Dear Pastor Jeff, I received a call from my niece letting me know that she was taking my dad to the ER. My dad is 93 years old, and he was experiencing severe abdominal pain. When they arrived at the hospital, they immediately did a CT scan on my father and found that he had an obstruction in his lower intestine, and somehow it was twisted around a hernia. I called my mother and told her I was on my way there, which was two hours for me by car. As I was driving, my niece called me back to let me know that they were going to do an emergency surgery on my dad. My parents are Pentecostal, spirit-filled Christians and truly believe in the power of prayer. I started praying while I was driving. And I remembered you saying that we should be specific when we pray. So, here's what this lady prayed for her dad. I asked God to guide the surgeon's hand. Everybody say hand. I asked God to guide the surgeon's hand, and when he placed his hand on my dad, to have God's touch on him. That's specific. Ten minutes later, everybody say ten minutes later. I received another call from my niece saying, the surgery has just been canceled. No, it gets better. My niece was in the room with my dad when the surgeon came in to talk to my father and to explain that they were taking him into surgery. The surgeon, before he took him into surgery, placed his hand on the area where the obstruction was, was located and pushed and then said, wait a minute, I feel something moving. Then he checked again and the obstruction was gone and the intestine was untwisted. Two hours later, my dad was home feeling fine. When I got to their house, we talked about the timing of this, and it seems it happened at the exact time I was praying. This experience today was something I have never witnessed before. I have been attending St. Louis Family Church off and on for seven years. I drive from uh, out of town. Now I've moved closer, so I attend the third service. I've been a faithful regular for the last two years, and we, we attend the third service. St. Louis Family Church and your preaching have made such a difference in my walk with God. Thank you so much. I just felt like I had to share this with you as I am still having a hard time wrapping my head around the events of that day. (laughs) Hallelujah. So really, she heard in one of the services, be specific. Everybody say, be specific. I mean, when blind Bartimaeus asked Jesus to have mercy on him, he said, what what do you want me to do for you? He said, oh, that I would receive my sight. And he got his sight. Because mercy is vague. Mercy is general. My eyes being healed is specific. This lady specified. You know what? I've never heard anything like that before. Because usually we're praying, God will guide the surgeon's hands. So she prayed, God, when his hands get on him, that the power of God will get on there. So she prayed a better prayer than I've ever prayed about that. So I just learned something from her. Right? You see that? Isn't that wonderful? 
You already thought, you already had that 93-year-old guy in a funeral already. 93, oh, Pastor Jeff, you know, he's 93. Now, see, he's going to die. Might as well not die of that. Might, might as well die of, uh, you know, of, of worshiping God or something, you know, and, and, and 103 or 123 or whatever, however he wants to live. I mean, he's home, you know, he's home doing great, feeling fine. I mean, my grandmother died of this. My dad died of something similar to this. It's painful to me. I'm really happy, however, that her dad gets to live another day. Right? So, Pastor Jeff, say, yeah, we've been, you know, we've been through some painful things, all of us. That doesn't change the word of God. I don't, I've always said this. I don't want my circumstances to dictate and govern my theology. I want God's word to govern my theology, and I want to study to show myself approved, and I don't want to wrongly divide it. I want to rightly divide it. And it would be irresponsible theologically if I said to you, let's back off of healing and back off of the miraculous, because God hasn't backed off of healing, and God has not backed off of the miraculous. And in fact, he's called us to trust him for great things. Again, remember, extraordinary miracles were wrought through the hands of the apostle Paul. So there is a category called extraordinary miracles. So then there must be just average miracles. So the church was so steeped in the miraculous that this is extraordinary. How many of you think that's wonderful? And I like the way she says, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what happened. Because she said in all of her Christian life, she'd never really seen anything quite like that. How many of you would like to see some breakthrough in your spiritual experience and the results and getting great? Because look what it boils down to is bringing glory to the Lord and bringing help to people, man, right? I'm so happy that girl in the soccer team didn't continue to, to degrade and then end up dying from it. I'm glad God prompted a believer that somebody called religious, but he wasn't. He's practical and he was useful. I'm glad the guy that lost the job in the church didn't get depressed in, a, in some sort of uh, self-pity mode, but he went out and found another job. Not only did he find another job, he found himself thriving in it and finding significant level of favor and getting the commendation from the big guy. How about that? There's something on the other side of all the pressure and all the deterioration and all the temptation. Come on, right? So, hallelujah. Well, the, the, here, here's, what I wanna, here's what I wanna finish with. I wanna finish with us praying and laying hands on ourselves. So I want you to stand up on your feet. Can you believe I, I'm done? <laughs> See, there's some miracles. And young people, listen. Listen, young people, God has his hand on your generation. God has his hand on, there's so many little kids in this church. I've been happy to have children's church in the main service. I, I still feel led to just keep everything the way it is. We'll, we'll eventually have children's church again, and we'll, it'll probably be a, a, a fresh and different format than we've ever had before. I, I, I'm believing God, but I feel like the kids, it's, I'm feeling great about my experience watching the young people respond to the things of God in our church. And it, it really underscores that we have uh, a, such a vast variety in this particular local church. Little bitty kids, preteens, teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and, and, and on. And I'm grateful for the full spectrum, aren't you? Yeah. 
Praise the Lord that he pours out his spirit on his handmaidens and his bondservants. Male and female. Your sons will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I had a friend who's about my age. He said, man, I had this vision. It was kind of a dream, kind of a vision. And he, and he said, I'm in denial about having just dreams because uh, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was good. That was better than you thought it was. He delivered it better. I cracked up. Lay your hands on yourself for impartation of blessing. The village Jesus went into, the parents saw him and asked that he would pray over their kids and lay his hands on them for blessing. We speak blessing into our world. We, we trust you. We receive blessing. God, we receive a stirring, a, a stimulation in our faith. God, we receive that awareness of that authority that was delegated to Jesus as the head of the church and then delegated to all of his people. God, we receive the stirring into a complete and full knowledge, not lack of knowledge, but a full knowledge of what you have for us in these upcoming days. Take your hands off yourself. Now lay your hands on yourself again. Now, Lord, I pray for a stirring and a kindling afresh of the gifts that are in people. I pray a kindling afresh of the gift of God in each person's life in this room. And in case you're not saved, you need to receive the gift of eternal life right now and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Jesus to wash you and cleanse you. White as snow, make you a new person. You need to come back to the Lord and rededicate. Do that right now. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I receive your mercy. I, I trust you to take care of things for me. Now a third time. For the infilling of the Holy Spirit. God, you said, be not drunk with wine, for this is excess or dissipation, but rather be filled with the Spirit. So now, Lord, I pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for a stirring of the power of God in each person's life right now in the name of Jesus. God, through the laying on of hands, I pray for fresh impartation. I pray for a fresh hunger for the word. I pray that you would stretch forth your hands to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy son, Jesus. I pray for grandma, that as she talks to her grandsons, they really receive from her and there's a special anointing on what she says. And there's a special hearing of faith that causes them to come out of the ditch. I break every hindrance, every curse spoken over those young men. In fact, I come against every demonic strategy. We come against every evil spirit. In fact, you told us to cast out demons. So we cast demons out of this place in the name of Jesus, out of St. Louis, out of the bi-state area, out of the North American continent, out of the entire uh, Canada, America, Mexico, uh, uh, Central, South America. In fact, we come against evil forces on this planet in the name of Jesus, right? And we trust you, God. Now let's lift up our hands. We trust you for a fresh outpouring of your, of your power, of your spirit. 
Lisa sang Danny's song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Let your anointing have its way. God, I, I know your anointing, your empowerment has a mind of its own. Your Holy Spirit knows exactly what to do in every given situation. For the guy in the work that got the commendation from the boss, the guy that was uh, tending to the, to the soccer person and told the parents to take, care, take the daughter to the hospital. And God, there's so much more out there. God, I pray a release, a proliferation of, the, of, of, of stirrings, of a kindling afresh. Like this lady who prayed for her 93-year-old dad specifically and got an amazing result, which actually, coincidentally, was the laying on of hands. And God, we thank you and we believe we receive when we pray. Say this with me. These signs will follow those who believe. We cast out demons, speak with new tongues. We shake off the serpents. We're not killed by the poison. And when we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They shall recover in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, that lady that's been coming, driving from, you know, 110 miles away, and then she's now, you know, she comes in the third service, drives about 35 miles, 40 miles, was listening. She paid attention. Somewhere along the line, I said, when, you're, when you pray, be specific. She's driving, stressed out, driving to the hospital, concerned about her dad, who wouldn't be. You know, it's a serious emergency surgery. Come on, that's a big deal. Niece is talking to her. She's praying. She's driving. She gets specific. She prays. The guy puts his hand on her. Something moved. How cool is that? Imagine that 93-year-old guy going, Whoop. Do you imagine how he felt when that, thing un, when that thing untwisted? It had to be miserable. Then it had to be awesome. Miserable, awesome, right? How cool is that? Some 93-year-old is home barbecuing right now or something. Say hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks. Well, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Say this with me. Here am I, Lord. Teach me. Lead me. Help me. Thank you for your patience toward me. Noticing in, Mar in Matthew and Mark that he had to purge some unbelief and doubt out while he was passing the keys to the big guys, to the big dogs. Amazing? Is that amazing? There's hope for all of us. Hallelujah. Come on. There's hope for all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's hope for all of us. Say it. There's hope for all of us. Amen.